Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope, all of us gathered in the room. Those of you joining us online, we're glad you're with us too. We like to begin this ser- our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for, I think, as long as there have been Christians. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that the Lord really does meet us here as we gather to worship him. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather together, to sing to you and pray to you, to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. God, we are grateful for this chance uh, to open our hearts and minds to you because, God, sometimes we, uh, well, we get weighed down by the stuff going on in our lives, in the world, um, when we see our friends hurting and, uh, and in need. And God, sometimes it can just, well, we need these reminders that you are with us, that you are present with us in the reality that we live in. You don't just live in some temple or church building or something like that where we get to visit you on Sundays. You are with us every moment of every day. And we thank you for that. And, we, and we're grateful, God, for these moments where we can be reminded of that truth. Because uh, sometimes as we make our way through our weeks, we can feel like you're absent. We can get so weighed down and so uh, frustrated by the things that we face that uh, it's like we, we fail to see you. And we forget that you're right there waiting for us to reach out to you so that you can help. So we're reaching out to you now, God, and, uh, and praying that we can have an encounter with your grace and with your love, with your Holy Spirit today. Please help us to be open to this encounter with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Empty praise 
there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing no nothing is better than you oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing no nothing is better than you you turn brave into garden you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one you can you're the only one you can you're the only one who can amen lamentations 319 through 21 says i'll never forget the trouble the utter lostness the taste of ashes the poison i've swallowed i remember it all oh how well i remember the feeling of hitting the bottom but there's one other thing i remember and keep remembering i keep a grip on hope <laughs> sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross a love so amazing love so amazing 
Amen. Amen. Let's continue praying. How precious, Lord, is your unfailing love, O oh God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings, and you feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you, and give justice to those with honest hearts. Lord, we are so thankful for your unending love this morning. Lord, no matter what we do, no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter how far we have strayed from you, your unending love draws us to you. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that that love is perfect and unconditional. Lord, something we, we struggle so much to, to understand in our limited finiteness, Lord. And yet you, you pour out your love on us so often, daily, moment by moment, Lord, when we deserve it, and well, we really don't deserve it, and yet you love us that much, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are a rock, a steady rock that we can count on, a steady rock that we can stand on, that will never falter, that will never fail us, that will never move, will never shake, Lord. It's a foundation that's firmer than anything we can even imagine. And you have promised that you will always be that foundation for us. No matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what's happened this week, the storms that we have faced, the good things that have happened, the not so good things that have happened, Lord, it hasn't changed you and you love us. I thank you that you have walked along beside each one of us this week, that you have been there through everything that we have, have faced, everything that, we, that has challenged us, everything that has burdened us, everything that has encouraged us, Lord, you have been there in it all and through it all. And I thank you for bringing us here this morning, each person. Lord, I, I pray for those that aren't able to make it this morning, we, whether it's online or here in person, for various reasons, Lord, be with each one that would normally be here, that is part of our family, that, that has been touched by this, this congregation, Lord. I pray that you would minister to them in whatever way that they need to be ministered to, whatever place they are, Lord, that they would know your presence in a very special and powerful way this morning. I ask for that very thing here in this place, we know that you're here and that you've invited us into, into this place, gathered together, and we thank you, Lord, for that invitation. I thank you, Lord, for those of us that are here and online that are responding to that invitation. Be a powerful, sweet presence this morning. As we hear from Pastor Rich, the word that you've given him for today, as we, as we worship this morning, um, listening to what it is that you have to speak to our hearts. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, just for being you, Lord. We give you all the honor and the glory and the blessing and the praise as we pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Good. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace among yourselves. I always feel like I need to apologize to those of you joining us online at this point because you didn't get to just greet everybody like we did. 
we just got to shake hands and catch up and hug and all those kinds of things. And, and you're just looking at an empty, empty sanctuary. So uh, please do uh, let us know you're with us though today. Jot, jot, a note, not, jot a note in the comments is what I was trying to say. Drop us a comment there if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or wherever it might be. Or, uh, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and uh, you can fill out a little digital connect card to let us know you're with us today and, and share a way that we could be praying for you or thanking God with you or anything like that. And that goes for all of us in the room, too. You can do that on your phones. Or since you're in the room, you could just walk back. There's some little green cards on the table back there. And you can just write us a note with, like, pencil or pen and, uh, and drop it in the offering box. And then that way we can follow up with you this week. If you're giving, you can drop that in the box as well. Uh, or you can give online. Um, that's a beautiful thing. So thank you for all of you who give, give so faithfully. Um, just a couple quick announcements. And then we've got a special guest with us before I give the message. Um, we do have, uh, coming up in just a couple weeks, um, right before school starts up again, we'll have breakfast again between the services. It's easy for those of you who come at 9, but, uh, because you just get to stick around. But uh, anybody who's watching online, or especially the folks in the next service, need the reminders. So they show up on time to come early. Because like from 10 to 10.30, we'll have some guys making breakfast for us, and, and we'll get to enjoy that together. And you get to meet some of the folks that uh, usually are in the other service and all that good stuff. And then uh, th what might be our last bike giveaway, uh, I think. I was talking to the guy that does it, and he said, this might be the last one. It's coming up in, on August 19th, so that next Saturday. Uh, so if, you'd like, if you have a bike to give away, I just had some of you approaching me this morning. Are we going to have another one? I've got some bikes. Uh, if you have a bike to donate or if you need a bike or know someone who needs a bike, make sure they know to be in the parking lot here on August 19th. All right. Um, yes, please, Craig. Uh, I've known this guy for a few years now from uh, the Gideons. Come on up. He's going to share with us some things about the work that the Gideons do. And uh, did you, you said you wanted to be up here, I think, right? So you can set stuff on it. All right. Good deal. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing more about what the Gideons are into. Many of you have probably encountered them in some way, but uh, yeah, I, you share. I won't share. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, I wanted to share just a few things. Uh, you know, you find our Bibles everywhere in hotel rooms. We share them with uh, kids at school when we're able to do that. At the county fair, we just had a big distribution there and shared quite a few. And uh, we never know how people come to Christ through the Gideon uh, place Bibles, but uh, they write us letters. They send us information about how this happened to them, and they're so thankful uh, that they were able to get a Gideon scripture. Francisco says, For 25 years, I spent time in different jails around the Republic of Mexico. I thought I could raise that, but I guess I can. Huh? Just got just to pull harder. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. Yeah. For stealing, using drugs, and so forth. He said, I'd visit my brother in the USA from time to time, and I would often be stopped for driving drunk or under the influence, and I'd just return to Mexico without showing up for court. I lived in Mazalan at the time, and I worked as a parasailing instructor on the beach, and that was a perfect place to sell drugs, to drink and steal, and get involved with different women from all over the world, and I did that for many years, he says. I would steal credit cards, airplane tickets, and whatever else I could sell to make extra money. And when the season slowed down in Mazalan, I would go back to California and visit my brother. Well, the last time the police stopped me, they found that there were five outstanding warrants for my arrest. I went before the judge, and he gave me a one-year sentence. Well, one afternoon... They took us out of our cells because someone come uh, to visit all the prisoners and they gave us a little blue book. 
And when I returned to my cell, I began reading that word of God for the very first time. I told God, I said, if you're real, would you please help me stop smoking cigarettes? And when I awoke the next morning, I couldn't even stand the smell of the smoke. And that's when I knew that God was there and Jesus Christ was real. He said, I kept reading, and eventually I turned my life over to God. And when I got out of prison, I began telling everybody about Jesus. Today, I serve in a local church, and I've also joined the Gideons. Thanks be to God and to that Gideon that gave me that little book. Barbara says, I was an eight-year-old girl from Graham County, North Carolina. My family didn't attend church, but we kids sometimes walked to three miles to church along the railroad tracks. She enjoyed Sunday school when she was able to go, and one Sunday, Barbara noticed a box of papers and other discarded materials in the corner of the Sunday school room. There was a small black Bible in that box. Now, she'd never read a Bible. She picked it up, and she read the name inside. <clears throat> Excuse me. It belonged to a man in the community who had been in his service many years before. Well, she put it back in the box, but that was not the end of it. You see, Barbara really wanted that little Bible so badly. She continued to walk back to Sunday school every Sunday morning for many weeks, and it was always in the same box. Nobody ever took it. Well, finally, one Sunday morning when no one was looking, she stole it. For a long time after that, Barbara was ridden with guilt, but she loved that little Bible, and that was the first book she'd ever owned. She said the songs in the back were her joy. She sang them all the time. Barbara says, I can't carry a tune, but the words to those songs still ring in my heart today. Well, not long after beginning to read the Bible, she asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into her heart, and she was baptized. And Barbara says that little Bible is about 40 years old now, and just last year, I ran across the owner. He's a fine Christian man and was glad that I took his old Bible. I thank God for the Gideons, and I've contributed many times the cost of that Bible, but I feel like I owe a debt to that organization for my salvation. I was given uh, the entire service to share a Gideon report at uh, Hope Spring Church over in, in uh, get, uh, uh, where was it, over in Hammond area. And I spoke with Pastor Matthews the following week, and he told me that a young lady that was visiting their church that Sunday for the very first time she was so moved by listening to the testimonies and the pictures that I was showing about people that came to Christ through finding a Gideon scripture one place or another. And as God spoke to their heart, they accepted Jesus and forgiveness of salvation. And she began to look back over her own life. She said, those people were me, the very same things. But now, as a young adult, she was listening to stories of those people just like her, and realized that she was lost. She needed to be forgiven. She felt like God was speaking to her heart, reaching out and convicting just her. After the service, she was so emotional, she began to cry. She went straight to her grandmother's house, and her grandmother was a Christian. They talked about her response to the service, and she prayed, confessing she was a sinner, and asked Jesus Christ to forgive her and come into her heart. She praises God for opening her eyes to see her need for his salvation. You know, it's not the Gideons that do this. It's God that draws the heart, that causes a person 
to want to accept him as Savior. Well, Anza was from Portugal. She says, uh, it was the darkest time in my life. January 6th, or January, my six-year-old daughter, Eileen, passed away after being bitten by a scorpion. Thirty-three days later, my baby Alan died from a heart murmur. And on January or July 14, my 11-year-old son, Alex, was hit by a truck. Four months later, my marriage ended. She said I was shaken to the core. I just wanted to die. She began living on the effects of drugs, which caused hallucinations and other problems. Her thoughts were filled with ways to commit suicide. Well, one day, while looking at the kids' belongings, she picked up her son's backpack and she found a book inside with the words New Testament. She opened the book and she found her son's name written on the first page and the tears began to flow. She began uh, reading in the Psalms and reading brought such peace. She continued facing spiritual struggles every night and she would read Psalm 91 and 23. She professed to be a Catholic for most of her adult life And so she started to attend the Catholic Church. And then the Lord began to show her that uh, it was wrong to be worshiping images and statues. That was abominable in his eyes. So she started attending an evangelical church with her sister. She says, I soon met the Lord Jesus. I ran to him and was baptized. And my life has been totally transformed. Anza. Alamedia from Portugal. You know, we serve as a a missionary arm of the church because we represent you, church members, in 200 countries and territories and possessions around the world. And today, just like it was 125 years ago, our only purpose is to win others for the Lord Jesus Christ through our own personal witness and through placement of the Word of God. Now, with your help, last year we placed 45.9 million scriptures And 2.5 billion has been shared since 1908. Many lives are changed by simply placing a copy of God's word in that person's hand. Now, I believe time is short and our task becomes more urgent every day. We must reach the loss before Jesus comes back. Please pray for us. Pray for open doors. We know God will speak to hearts if they open and read the scriptures. You can use the Gideon cards, and I'll bring up uh, some of those to the church uh, a little later this morning. And then uh, you might join us as a Gideon or as a friend of Gideon's. You can talk to me about that after the service. And then as you continue to help with your financial gifts after this service, please know 100% of everything we collect goes to purchase and to place those scriptures. Nothing is used for overhead. Now, in that bulletin insert that we have out there on the table... Uh, there is an envelope in there. If you choose to contribute to the Gideon ministry by uh, mail, you can do that using that envelope. It's already pre-addressed. Thank you and God bless. Yeah, thank you.
How many of you have stumbled across a Gideon Bible at some point in your life? You've seen one of the, yeah, yeah, they do a pretty good job of spreading the word of God far and wide. So if you would like to help support him uh, after the service, uh, he'll be back there. This is the way they typically receive offerings. If you'd like to give to the Gideons, he'll be standing back here with his Bible open and you can place money in that Bible if you'd like. Uh, you can put it in one of those envelopes. You can just put cash in there, uh, however you'd like to do that. And um, uh, yeah, so if you'd like to support that work, uh, that'd be a good thing. Um, yeah, I feel like I need to say something real quick. Um, when you mentioned about the, the woman who uh, uh, was Roman Catholic, it reminded me of some of the trips Stacy and I have taken to other parts of the world where you really can see sometimes uh, where like the locals have mixed kind of Roman Catholicism with whatever religion they'd been part of before. And it almost does. It, it's pretty much just worshiping little, little statues and stuff. Uh, now, thankfully, that's not true for, uh, obviously not true for all folks who are uh, Roman Catholic or worshiping those churches, but... Um, but it definitely is true somewhere, and I'm glad that people can start by, uh, by reading the scripture and reaching out to God, and that God by his Holy Spirit does, in fact, uh, guide us and lead us and convict us when we find ourselves caught in something that we shouldn't be. That's actually, actually kind of connected with this morning's message. Huh, well, what do you know? Um, <clears throat> so today, if you, if you got one of these, uh, you can look inside there. There's some notes for this morning's message uh, where it says a new covenant up at the top. Uh, as we were making our way through the Bible, trying to get a a picture of the, the big story of the Bible, uh, one month and one book of the Bible at a time. Today is our last day in the, in the Old Testament. So next Sunday, we finally break into the New Testament uh, with the book of Matthew. So if you'd like to get a head start on reading the book of Matthew this week, you can. Um, so this, this month, we've been looking at the book of Jeremiah, and probably the best-known verse that this prophet uh, shared with us that's recorded in Scripture is there at the top of your notes. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you hope and a future. Uh, many of us have these, this written on a card or on a pillow or on, a, on your wall somewhere uh, because it reminds us that God does have plans for us and that he can, in fact, get us through difficult times. And we looked at that last week, looked at the rest of that chapter and how God helps us to find hope in hard times. Um, but uh, today we're going we're gonna to kind of continue through the book of Jeremiah a couple, a couple chapters later. Uh, <laughs> some of us, uh, you know, God has good plans for us, but sometimes it's our plans that, that cause us problems, isn't it? Uh, we, have, we have great plans for our own lives, and uh, sometimes those, those lead us in a direction that we really shouldn't go, and we find ourselves stuck. Uh, we find ourselves suffering consequences that we didn't anticipate. Uh, it's kind of a silly example, but uh, Stacy and I this summer have gotten to spend some time at the beach with our boys, and, and sometimes with some other friends with kids about our boys' age. And, and uh, one thing we found ourselves doing a couple weekends ago was, uh, was burying them in the sand. Um, now, I don't do a whole lot of that. I don't really love getting a bunch of sand in my swimsuit and that kind of thing, but the boys don't seem to mind at all. And uh, <clears throat> so we were digging the hole, you know, they would get down in it, and we'd bury them in, in the sand. And, and uh, we got to the place where we could pretty much, we had to kind of figure it out, where it would look like it's just a level beach, and then there's this little head, you know. And, uh, and they thought that was great, and we took pictures, and we had all kinds of fun. Uh, but then, what, why this is popping in my head today, uh, most of the time then, after we'd buried them, we buried them well enough that then, like, they couldn't get out. You know, they were just stuck there, you know, and, uh, and they, they would try and we would like, you know, encourage them and, you know, they would try and then they couldn't get out and we would have to unbury them some and then grab their hands and finally pull, sometimes grab their feet and pull them, pull them the rest of the way out of the sand. They had great plans, big fun, but it ended up with them being stuck. Um, 
It's a silly example, and, and I probably didn't need to use it because all of us have found ourselves at some point stuck. You know, we've had, we've had good plans. We thought this was going to be great. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, like one of the stories uh, or a couple of the stories that Craig just shared, you know, maybe, maybe it involved uh, getting involved with some uh, drug or some drink or something that we think, oh, this helps me feel better right now. And, uh, and it maybe helps us feel better for a while, but then we find ourselves stuck in some kind of addiction, enslaved to something we never anticipated. Um, maybe it, we pursued a relationship that wasn't right, and uh, we knew it wasn't right, but, you know, it seemed like it was good at the time, and uh, we found ourselves stuck. Or we started uh, watching something or, or clicking on something we shouldn't online, and next thing you know, we are, we are stuck, and we're suffering the consequences, and we're not sure how to find our way out. Uh, this is what the people of Israel find themselves in at this point in, uh, in the Bible story. Um, you know, Jeremiah is sent as a prophet to them to tell them, look, you guys have been unfaithful to God. God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt, who made you a nation, who gave you this good land, you've been unfaithful to him. You, you entered into this agreement, this covenant with God, um, where he had certain expectations of you and you knew you could count on him and you kept being unfaithful. In fact, that's an image Jeremiah uses numerous times as like of an unfaithful spouse. You know, where, where the people of Israel keep, keep cheating on God with, with other gods. And we looked a couple of weeks ago at how they, they felt like they would kind of show up at the temple and worship God and think everything is fine. And then as soon as they'd leave, they're oppressing the poor or they're, you know, offering uh, sacrifices to some other God or they're just acting in ways that are completely out of sync with what God wanted for his people. And so Jeremiah, God sends Jeremiah to say, look, guys, you've been unfaithful and there are consequences to that. And send them, you know, to hopefully help them to turn and make a change. You know, that's always why God warns us. God, God doesn't warn us just to say, you know, you screwed up and now it's too late. See ya, you know, and just squish us. You know, that's not how God works. God always sends a warning, or sends announcement of judgment so that we will turn. So that we will turn away from sin and turn toward him. But the people of Israel were so set in their ways they, they couldn't. Turn. So the consequence was, was coming. Babylon, uh, the, the, one of the major world powers of their day, was on its way to, to crush them, to tear down the walls of their capital, and to destroy their temple, and to haul people off into exile. So that's where we are in the story. And last week we looked at that, that letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles from Jeremiah chapter 29. Well, just a couple chapters later, uh, the Lord is saying this. Uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. He's saying, I was faithful, but they were not. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. He's saying a time is coming when we're going we're gonna to renew this thing. We're going to make this thing new. We're going to get off to a, a fresh start. We're going to have a, a new covenant because You've broken the old one, and you suffered the consequences. And so you need a new start. You need a new opportunity. And so he says, I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take that law that you'd heard, that I'd given through prophets and that you'd heard, read when you came to the temple. Uh, I'm going to take that law, and I'm going to write it on your 
hearts. I'm going to put it in your minds. And we're going to have a, a closer relationship than we did before. Everyone will know me. It won't just be some leaders who know me. You know, like Thinking back to the time of Moses. Remember when we were reading about Moses earlier this year and how he would go meet with God and then go meet with the people. And he'd get a word from God and then go share it with the people. Or Jeremiah is doing a similar thing. He's, he's getting a word from God and then sharing it with the people. And he's saying, look, I'm, everyone's going to have an opportunity to know me like this. From the least to the greatest. And I will forgive. I will forgive wickedness. Remember sins no more. Right up to the end of the book of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 50, it's almost to the end, as he is looking ahead to the day when Babylon itself will be conquered and the people will be brought back from Babylon. Right, right as he's getting into talking about the destruction of Babylon, he says, In those days, at that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears to seek the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Zion. Zion is like another name for the, the capital, Jerusalem, the mountain that it sits on. They will ask the way to Zion and turn their faces toward it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. He's saying that time is coming. We're looking forward to that time when, when we'll finally be able to relate to each other like I'd intended. When finally uh, we won't be having all this wandering off you know, that you've been doing in the past. It's finally, it's going to be good. The problem is that at this point in the story... I mean, they're not there yet, right? I mean, they're still wandering off. They're still unfaithful Israel. They're still stuck in their sins. Uh, in one place in Jeremiah chapter 17, he says, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts. So again, using that imagery of, of their hearts, of the center of who they are. And he's saying what's engraved there, you know, it's not just like written in pencil, easy to erase, you know. You know it's, no, this is engraved there with a sharp tool is sin, selfishness. This way of living that says, I'm in charge. I'll do what I want to do. I don't care what some God says I need to do. I'm, I'm my own boss. I'm in charge of my life. And sin is engraved deep on their hearts. He's, God is saying, the day is coming. I'm going to write my law there on their hearts. So what they see in their hearts. And when he, when he says, write my law, I don't, I don't want you to think like, oh, great. I'm going to have to memorize a big, long list of rules. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about this agreement, this way of living. So I'm going to write that on your hearts, this way of looking at the world that says, you know what, no, I'm not in charge. God, you're in charge. And I'm going to trust and follow you. It doesn't have to be a complicated list of rules that you have to memorize. You know, Jesus, when he was asked about the most important commandment, just said, look, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are both Old Testament commands of the 600 and something commands given as a part of God's law to the people of Israel. He says, just these two are the main things. All the rest hangs on, on these. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. The problem is, Israel at this time and, and us, we start out with sin just engraved on our hearts. Uh, in Jeremiah 13, he says, uh, Can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard at spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. He says, you have... You have habituated yourself. You are, you are so strongly uh, set in your ways that it's just like somebody trying to change their skin color or a leopard trying to change its spots, you know. It's like you can't change. It is impossible for you to change. You're accustomed to doing evil, and you can't just suddenly wake up one morning and say, I want to be good now and just be good. Because well, as other parts of the scripture describe it, he's saying you're, you're enslaved to sin. Sin's got its shackles on you. You cannot get away. You can, 
You can do nothing else but sin, but be selfish, but disobey. Now, there's another prophet that, uh, that looked forward to this, this new covenant, this new arrangement between God and humanity. Uh, Ezekiel was another one of the prophets that, that uh, spoke to the people during their time of exile about what, what God was going to do. And he says, uh, this is God speaking through Ezekiel, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. So again, talking to these people while they're in exile, they're suffering the consequences of their, of their sins. And he's looking forward to this day when they'll be restored. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. So again, you're looking forward to a day when they're not worshiping other gods, when they're just solely focused on the God who gave them life, who redeemed them. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Saying you've had this hard heart. Sin is engraved there. It is not changing. I'm going to take that away. I'm going to give you a, a soft heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that beats with God's heart, a heart that can respond to the, to the movement of God as, as God nudges you and guides you and leads you. He says, and I will put my spirit in you. And move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. That same, that same kind of language. This is what God wants. <laughs> he wants us to be his people. He doesn't want us to continually be wandering off, you know, stuck in our sin. Um, if that image of, uh, of being buried in the sand is stuck in your head and you want a different one, uh, <clears throat> the other image that's been in my head, maybe because we just saw the bus derby at the fair last night, uh, was that sometimes, you know, we, God's given us this beautiful vehicle, this life that he's given us, you know, that image, of, think of a car or truck or whatever you want to think of, and he's given us a path to follow, and we decide, no, I, I think that looks good over there, and we take it off-road, right, until suddenly we're stuck in the mud, we've, we've just dug it deeper and deeper. And I don't know if you've ever been stuck in mud. I haven't. I've been stuck in snow. never been stuck in mud. Uh, but I've seen videos of, and I've seen, you know, bus derbies and <laughs> places where it's, it's muddy and they're stuck and they can't get out without someone helping them. And sometimes you try so hard to get out of the mess that you're in that you blow your engine, you know, or I don't know what, something under the hood starts smoking and goes boom and it doesn't work anymore. I don't, I don't know cars, sorry. Some of us find ourselves there, right? I mean, that's, that's just legitimately where we find ourselves. And if we're honest, we're like, yeah, I, I don't have a way out of this. I mean, I don't have a, a, a way to get myself back on the path. I need a, a change. <laughs> I need God to swap out the engine. I need God to change my heart. I need something done for me that I cannot do for myself. And that is what God does for us when he sends his son, Jesus Christ. That's so why this move we're making to the New Testament this next Sunday, we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus. Uh, one of the authors in the New Testament is a book called Hebrews. He's looking back at all that God had done uh, with this, the Hebrew people and says, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. It's like we, had, we knew what God expected of us and we didn't do it. You know, the sins committed under the first covenant. He's saying, we, we had this arrangement with God where he, God said, if you just live right and, and stay faithful to me, I'll be your God and you can be my people. And we just kept taking it off road. We just kept putting ourselves in the ditch. And we needed someone to set us free from our enslavement to sin 
And that's what Jesus did for us when he became human, took our sin on himself and died on that cross. Not, not that cross, but died on the cross and rose again. He died as a ransom to set us free from our sins. And he rose again so that we could know sin doesn't have the final say. He conquers sin. He conquers the devil, conquers death to set us free, to change us from the inside out. That's what this new covenant is. God is wanting to change our hearts, change our minds, to change us from the inside out. Uh, I was thinking of this verse that Jesus says. It's right in the middle of him chewing some people out. Uh, but right in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 33, he says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And he's relating that then to the lives of some of the people around him uh, who he's in conflict with and saying, like, you guys are some, you got some nasty fruit, all <laughs> right? And that's revealing what's going on in your heart. So Jesus says the way to change our lives is to change our hearts, to, for, to allow him to make the tree good so that the fruit of our life will be good, to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change us from the inside out. We celebrate this every single Sunday when we celebrate communion together. Um, together with Christians around the world, we remember uh, that Jesus, uh, as he was approaching his death, it was just, just like a day, day and a half before he would die on that cross, he gathers, gathers with his disciples and they celebrate the Passover together. It's this Jewish festival that they would celebrate every year to commemorate God setting them free from slavery in Egypt. And there were all kinds of uh, you know, symbol, symbols to the meal and different parts of the meal would stand for different parts and remind them of different aspects of their story. And Jesus takes two of those elements from the meal and transforms them to be about himself and his story and what he is about to do for us. He, he takes bread. Well, I should just read this. This is from Luke's version of it in Luke chapter 22. He took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's saying, we've been doing this meal in remembrance of something God did a long time ago to save us from slavery in Egypt as he started this new covenant, this old covenant, this first covenant with his people. Now he's saying, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The, the first covenant was marked by the blood of sacrificial animals, right? They had to go to the tabernacle and later to the temple, and they had to offer these sacrifices as a way of sealing the agreement. And Jesus says, I'm going to share, I'm going to shed my blood for this new covenant, to seal this new agreement between God and humanity, to open up a new path to freedom so that our hearts can be changed so that sin doesn't have to rule in our hearts, in our lives. We don't need to be slaves to sin anymore. We can live a new life. Not because we've memorized rules and tried really hard to follow them, but because we've entrusted ourselves to God and said, okay, God, Jesus Christ has been faithful in ways I have been unfaithful. He has faithfully followed you, and I'm going to put my trust in him. <laughs> and what Jesus says is that's that's what happens when we trust him. It's like this great exchange takes place. He takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. He takes our death and gives us his life. He sets us free to live in this new relationship with the God who made us, the God who loves us, promised 
hundreds of years earlier through the prophet Jeremiah, through the prophet Ezekiel. In Jesus, we see this take place. And as we'll see as we make our way through the book of Matthew and into the book of Acts and, and on into the New Testament, uh, we'll see that this gets opened up then to all the rest of us. <laughs> all of us, because as you just read some of these verses, you think, okay, God's got plans for Israel, and then he's going to renew his relationship with Israel, new covenant with Israel and Judah. And I'm, I don't trace my lineage back to Israel or Judah, right? I'm, I'm a Gentile. I'm non-Jew. But we see that this new covenant gets opened up to all the world, all of us, so that all of us, well, how is that, how is that one uh, verse from Hebrews 9? He's the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called, and we find that God calls people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from their sins. That's your sins and mine, to set us free. That's what Jesus has done for us, to make a new relationship, a new covenant possible. God is, uh, God is pretty committed to this thing. <laughs> That's why he calls it a, a covenant. You know, this is not some this passing thing for God. He gives all of himself to us in Jesus. And Jesus holds nothing back, gives all of himself to us uh, to the point of dying on the cross for you and for me. <laughs> That's how much he loves us. That's how much he longs to set us free. So today, if you find yourself stuck, if you find yourself saying, yeah, that's, that's kind of what's been going on in my life. My heart has gotten hard. Sin has been my master. I need to be set free. And today, you can be set free. Today, you can experience that freedom as you put your trust in Jesus. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray before we approach his table. Thank you, God, that out of love for us, you did not condemn us but you sent your son Jesus to, to save us, to rescue us. Thank you, God, that when your people, thousands of years ago now, when they were unfaithful to you, you did not give up on them. But you promised uh, restoration. You promised a new covenant, a renewed relationship that you would make possible by changes that you make in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. Thank you, God, that today we can come to you and receive your mercy and your grace. Today, God, we can confess to you our need of, of your forgiveness. We can admit that we are stuck in our sin, that we've not loved you with all that we are. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And God, you know, we could get pretty specific if you want us to about all the different ways that we have taken this thing off-road, all the different ways that we have abandoned your plan for our lives and, and done things we never should have done. God, today we come to you with, um, perhaps even with tears, described by Jeremiah, what the people would do someday, asking, which, where is God? Where is Zion? I, I need to come back to God. God, today, would you help us to turn to you to confess our need of your grace and mercy and to receive it from you. You give it so freely. You have, you have already purchased it with the blood of your son, Jesus. And so there's nothing for us to do but trust in him, trust in his faithfulness. Thank you, God. Thank you that today we can experience forgiveness washed with clean water, cleansed from our impurities and our idols. That today you are ready and willing to take us back, 
to marry yourself to us, to commit yourself to us for the rest of our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you that we get to celebrate this in this sacrament of Holy Communion. As we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, uh, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering the great price that was paid to set us free. We pray that as we offer you ourselves today, as we receive your grace and your mercy, as you embrace us as your kids, God, we pray that by your Spirit's work in our hearts and lives that we might be changed from the inside out so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, as people changed by your love, full of your grace, ready to share it with everyone we encounter. You are so good to us, God. We are so grateful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to, to just make your way forward to take a piece of bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. We've got the, the regular like pita bread and some little round gluten-free wafers, or we've got the little cups in here if you would rather use one of those. Or if you can't make your way forward, we have cups on the tables, and you can celebrate there, peeling them back to get to the bread and to the juice. Uh, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, maybe you've been following him faithfully for years. Maybe today you, you had a little bit of a renewal. <laughs> like, I, had to, I have to come back to you, God, today. I'd, I'd wandered off track. Or maybe today it's your first time of saying yes to Jesus and putting your trust in him. It, it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. You are welcome at his table to receive his grace and to celebrate his love. Let's, let's celebrate. Let's sing.
Thank you again, God, for the amazing grace and love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Because he has conquered sin and death, because he lives, we can face whatever it is that uh, we're going to walk into this week confident in your love for us, confident of your presence with us. So again, God, I pray, just, would you just fill us with the spirit of Christ so that as we go, we can live as the body of Christ here in the world, sharing with others the same grace you have shared with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just real quick, if there has been anything for you you'd like to talk to me about or pray with me about, maybe for you this there was a change that you made this morning uh, in trusting Christ, I would be happy to pray with you and meet with you before you go. Um, for now, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.